0: Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always is my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. How is 2020 treating you so far? Uh, Not too bad. Uh, Nothing horrible has happened yet. Mm, Yet. (laughs) As of (laughs) this recording. uh, Still a relatively short time, though. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Same. Hard same.
0: I'm always kind of looking over my shoulder at this point going, is something terrible going to happen? I don't know yeah it, it's like
1: here's twenty twenty in a nutshell already. I wake up from a nap I check my my Twitter and I check like the trending topics and you have World War three and right below it hatsune Miku uh, mitsune whatever her name is that that pop idol who's like uh, hatsune Miku and, yeah they're just tweeting side by side same amount of tweets and that is already twenty twenty in a nutshell
0: yeah i I saw hashtag world War three uh also Coachella releases <laughs> yeah list. <Bangelist. laughs> And she's going to be there. Yeah. So, yeah, we're officially back. We played a lot of games over the holidays. Uh, Nadia was playing more games than I did. I played a lot of FIFA over the holiday. Nadia. <laughs> you That's like an RPG, right? To the FIFA monster. It still has you. That game really is just a giant time thing. It never wants you to stop playing. One of its main modes is a thing called FUT F- Champions. Mm-hmm. And the idea is starting right now, basically... And until Sunday, you have a three-day window where your goal is to play 30 games and try to get as many wins as possible. And every game is about 15 to 20 minutes. That's a lot of time. That is a a lot
1: of time. But I can't really, like, lecture you because I played a lot of Final Fantasy XIV, which is, while it is a Final Fantasy game and it does have a Final Fantasy plot and characters, it is still a time sink. It's an MMO.
0: Mm. And... Yeah. I mean, there's so much content there, like hundreds upon hundreds of hours. I think the difference is is that FIFA is a a treadmill that just keeps going on and on and on. And there's like really no point. The (laughs) the only end is to get a better team, right? (laughs) The only winning move is not to play. I mean, that's kinda how it is, actually. Like it's like, okay, well I got a really good team now. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna play FUT champions and try to finish really high and get better rewards question mark. Are you on any sort of ranking list at least? Uh yes. There um, you go. There's a divisions it's like divisions one through ten. I'm currently on the edge of division five and six, which is not very good, honestly. So yeah. And I'm and I'm averaging gold three in FUT champions with the ranks above me being like gold two, gold one, elite three, elite two, elite one, and then the top one hundred.
1: Holy moly, that's a that's a lot of soccer, cat.
0: Yeah, and FIFA is such a cheap game. Like people are use glitches, and the AI is really weird. And yeah, whatever. This is no a <laughs> FIFA podcast. Uh, Maybe the it game that be. I have been playing, and it's been like reading an epic novel. Is Dragon Quest Eleven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's a lot of effort. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very,
1: it it is, as you say, like kind of a novel-like game. It's a very long game. Like I found myself engaged to the whole thing, thankfully, because it's like in traditional Dragon Quest uh, style. It tells a really, you know, story that you've kind of heard, but not in a tone maybe you've experienced. Like I saw you uh, you put up a screenshot on Twitter where you got to Dundrasil and learned like the connection between the hero and Rab and uh, Jade. That was actually a really, really nice scene, as I recall.
0: Yeah, like the game went from kind of your typical anime RPG tropey stuff. Uh, I mean, before that, there was an entire uh, an entire arc, I want to say, because Dragon Quest is nothing if not a manga. Yes, where. You are fighting in an arena alongside somebody who's basically roiding up. Vince, yeah, he's uh, he has that weird New York accent, I think. I don't know what they were trying for that oh, there. I was playing in Japanese, so I want to know. <laughs> you should switch to the English languages there. No. <laughs> it's a trip. But, I can yeah. tell because look, looking at the dialogue, uh, what was it, Rab, it mm-hmm, Rab? Has that insane, strong Scottish accent. Oh, yeah, he is a very, very strong Scottish oh. accent. Oh, yeah. we laddie.
1: sounds like scrooge
0: yeah uh can i just say that i don't think vince should have gotten off scot free no he
1: really freaking shouldn't have and i love the fact that like you messaged me you texted me at like ass o'clock at night bitching about the boss in that area who is really really hard is that stupid spider wasn't it
0: yeah allow me to uh, share the exact quotes uh to you (laughs) dragon quest 11 is stupid smh Multiple turns without even getting a move off while getting hit with every confusion and inhibiting move under the sun and not even having the courtesy to put a save point before the boss. And then I said, Ark, thank God, burn in hell, Aractagon.
1: (laughs) The, The one thing I did actually really like about that arena arc is that it is a straight tribute to Dragon Quest IV's arena arc. It even used a remix of the music from that area and the battle music as well. And you had, um, the underdigger and the powie yowie guy who was like kind of a weird looking human. And I remember Jason Wilson, a friend of the show and editor, saying how, uh, his son or one of his kids saw their, their like pep move, which I think is called Bums Away. And they just kind of like leap up in the air and then smash down on the enemy with their bums. And like apparently his kid just died laughing because <laughs> he thought it was the greatest thing he'd ever seen
0: in his life. Oh, yeah. The pro wrestler guys in the, the first battle in the arena are the best. The abominable snowman. Yes. <laughs> Who was I think also... that's what he was called with, like, the long tongue and then the other guy. And they're just super muscly and hilarious, and they do the, the, the bums away <laughs>
1: attack. <laughs> yeah. Um, I th- now that I think about it, the snowman guy actually was also a reference to Dragon Quest IV because uh, there was, yeah, you fight a, a yeti in that arena battle. And uh, so uh, that's another little uh, nod to... Oh,
0: so was this just one big tribute to
1: an older Dragon Quest? It was totally a tribute to the older Dragon Quest. I was actually thinking about um, when I got to preview Dragon Quest XI uh, in Japan. And they're showing us this footage of the game. And they were really, really impressed with me, apparently, because I was pointing out all
0: the references.
1: <laughs> they were like, I'm like, oh, that's a reference to Dragon Quest Three. Oh, that's a reference to Dragon Quest II. And th- they were really, really happy about that. <laughs>
0: That's why I sent you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I made an impression. All
0: right. I think the Dundrasil scene was really nice. Uh, it was a quiet uh, between after the arena scene, and the lighting was really nice. And honestly, I don't remember it very well for some reason. <laughs> but was... I happened to be playing on my TV, so I actually got to hear the music, which was nice. Oh, that's Us- nice. Yeah. Usually I'm listening to a podcast while I'm playing DQ11 because the music is so dang repetitive.
1: Yeah, that's uh it's it's even though it's orchestrated, it's still not the greatest soundtrack in the drag in the history of Dragon Quest, which in my opinion has never had music as good as Final Fantasy or, or many other series. That the same town music over and over again. Yeah, they didn't tr- he, he didn't try very hard on that one, I think.
0: My favorite music in that game is probably the boss music. hmm Uh the victorious music where like the an arc is coming to an end, and it's playing that kind of like nice march. Yeah,
1: yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and actually, the music that you referenced in Thundershill Thundershell scene, that comes up from time to time during uh, really uh, kind of slower, sadder story scenes. And it, I actually do like it a lot. Um, but otherwise,
0: my favorite music in the game is mostly remixes of old music. So that says something. <laughs> I also like the music where, the frantic music when you're running away, mm-hmm. like at the very beginning of the game when you're fleeing the dragon. That was so cool. That's good music. Yeah, that is. So that's but, when, like, Dragon Quest actually starts to good, but the overworld music and the town music and the regular battle music, it gets old pretty fast.
1: Yeah, thankfully the overworld music does change, so you'll you'll get a break soon enough.
0: Hooray. Yay. Yeah. I, I'm still going, I'm still cranking along, but this game is, like, so long, so... Yeah,
1: it's definitely a project.
0: So, But you know what, that's why it's on the Switch. It's good to just kind of go back
1: to when you want to.
0: Yeah, I think that we're going to do a proper spoiler cast at a certain point. Our friend of the show, Ash Paulson, has been playing a whole ton of Dragon Quest XI and just raving about it. So it might be fun to record a separate segment. Yeah,
1: I, I definitely want to do that. Uh, it, he, When I asked him if he'd like to be on the podcast for a spoiler cast, he was very, very enthusiastic about the idea.
0: And speaking of podcasting projects, we're going to have a couple of new ones coming at the toward the tail end of the month. So you should be keeping an eye on that. One of them, uh, without going into too much detail, is going to be a monthly podcast in which we pick the best game of the month and do a whole podcast about it. So that'll be a lot of fun. That will be fun. I'm actually looking forward to that very much. Yeah, and we'll be able to get special guests on, and we'll have other members of the team being able to talk about it. And so if you really particularly enjoyed a game, well, you'll get to have a full podcast about it uh, with spoilers. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so uh, get out those spoiler glasses because uh, they're they're going to happen.
0: Yeah, we got another podcasting project, but I'm going to keep that one under wraps for now in the meantime so for this podcast acts of the blood god things that we're going to be doing we're going to be talking about all the rpgs that are coming out in 2020 every single one of them okay not every single one of them, but <laughs> maybe the biggest ones. ones the big ones yes definitely yes we'll also talk about some of the news that happened over the holiday uh, we won't be talking about the witcher 3 that much uh, the witcher netflix series however Uh, Mostly because Nadia and I didn't watch it because we're the worst RPG fans ever. (laughs) We're terrible. We're also bad at pop culture.
1: Yeah, I'm very, very bad at TV. I haven't even watched The Mandalorian. Oh, The Mandalorian's really good, though. I know. I I really want to watch it. I do actually want to watch it. But even the
0: hundredth subscription and watch it. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I have a Netflix subscription. I just don't use it. Uh, I I, of all of the two of us, I should have probably watched The Witcher. But I proposed it to my partner. Uh-huh. And I was like, hey, let's watch The Witcher. She's like, no. And I'm like, come on, <laughs> let's watch it. She's like, no. we only have so much time to watch TV, and we're going to watch The Witcher.
1: <laughs> I can appreciate that outlook. I, I appreciate that, because I, I very much feel the same way about
0: television. Uh, so we, we've been actually watching The Expanse, and that show is killer. That's good. At least you're watching something good. You know, I hear mixed things about
1: The Witcher. I also hear... It is based more on the books than the movie uh, than the uh, games, although the games have seen a huge boost in the wake of the show. But as you say, unfortunately, neither of us have watched the show, so we can't really talk that much about it otherwise.
0: Yeah, calculated move by Netflix because they don't want to be associated with ugh, video games. <laughs> that nerd yeah, crap. Please. But well, it's also a, a calculated move to bring... They know gamers are going to come in, so they're basically walking a fine line between not alienating people by being like, oh, it's a video an adaptation of the hit video game because people that's an instant turn off for mm-hmm. a huge number of people. But they also don't want to turn off the gamers. So they're like, no, it's based on the hit book series The Witcher. It's really funny how you're right, because in most cases, yes, they do distance
1: themselves from games with the exception of maybe Castlevania. But at the same time, a lot of the shows you see today, and even I think what was it called? Um Stranger Things, which is a Netflix exclusive, was inspired directly by Silent Hill. So you have all these shows that they won't associate with games, but a game uh, – sorry, a show like um, like Stranger Things has not just the, the fact that it was based on Silent Hill, but it has references galore to, like, pop culture, including video games.
0: They're willing to pander to game enthusiasts? Yes, Definitely. But they're not willing to openly embrace video games because the second they do that, then then a lot of people will just glaze over. They'll just turn off, you're right. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. We are going to talk about The Witcher on Netflix next week. And what we're going to do is people have had plenty of time to actually watch it. So uh, Mike and uh, Katie and maybe Eric will get together and record a spoiler-filled segment. Uh, that we will run on the podcast next week. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) There you go, kids. All right. Uh, In the meantime, Axel Plugout is a US Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are sold. Follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. And uh, if you enjoy the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite podcatcher because that helps our visibility. It makes people be able to embrace the blood god and learn the true light of RPGs. Come yes. join our terrifying little RPG kit. <laughs> Hail the blood god. Uh, we also, if you want to send in a question that we can read on the show for our monthly mailbag, send me an email at cat.bailey at usgamer.net or DM me on Twitter at the underscore catbot or just leave a comment on the show notes, and we may read your comment on the show and uh, and discuss it. So uh, we have a weekly newsletter that did not go out this week because we were on vacation this week. Ooh, yes. Um, I will say, though, the last uh, uh,
1: newsletter I did before we all went on vacation was I talked about uh, kind of snowy locations in RPGs and our favorites. Uh, I, I mentioned a few that uh, I really like. In particular, I always liked Final Fantasy VII Snowtown, if you remember that. I don't know if you do but uh, Uh, vaguely (laughs) it it just has like is that the where you go uh, snowboarding that is the one where you go snowboarding you do but before you go snowboarding it's just like a really peaceful town it's very quiet you kind of see the tramp down snow and that kind of indicates this is a snowy area that's almost always covered it's very familiar to someone like myself who lives in in a winter environment uh, I just love the the light reflecting through the trees it's a very accurate depiction of what a a, a winter afternoon looks like and i always I always like visiting that town in Final Fantasy seven
0: mm. I like snow towns in general because um, both of us are from snowy locations originally we are. so it really uh gets my nostalgia going whenever I see a snow covered location
1: yeah, but now you're in now you're you're all south, so don't be like soft it's i'm in soft. the west actually and i am soft it happened (laughs) now you can like see snow for a day and be like okay i've I've had my fill goodbye
0: yeah if it gets below 50 degrees i start going oh god i have to bundle into everything get me a scarf hat and gloves. everything (laughs) turn on my space heater (laughs) it's 50 degrees and i'm like i'm freezing i need a sweater i don't know what that is in celsius but um... uh like i don't know 12 13 degrees what that's beautiful yeah i know for, for Canadians, I mean, for you, guys, for you, it's probably, like, I don't know, a lot colder than that. <laughs> like, five degrees? For, for me to get cold, like, it has to be, like, about zero. Now let's talk about some RPG news. Uh, first piece of news, the scenario writer of Final Fantasy VII Remake is really sad because there was a giant leak mm-hmm. of a demo. And he was tweeting Oasis songs. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh,
1: but yes, um... Unfortunately, his name is blanking on me right now, right this second, but he did tweet about how basically the leakers, like, he didn't, it wasn't so much an accusatory tone, but the leakers are kind of, like, doing this sort of thing without considering how much it might hurt the dev team, and I see where he's coming from, because as a writer myself, and you're a writer too, of course, if somebody kind of took a peek at my work in progress, I'd be not just mad, but I'd feel very vulnerable And I admit, I looked at some of the screenshots and um, I'm excited for the game as much as ever. And thankfully, most of the buzz around the screenshots and the leak is positive. But there's still a lot of unpolished, unfinished models in those screenshots. And some of them are kind of weird because they're not finished. Like, there's one scene where I saw President uh, Shinra being kind of prepped for television by, I guess it's supposed to be two of his lackeys except they're not finished modeling lackeys, and they just look like naked androgynous mannequins. And it's kind of hilariously dystopian terrifying, but it's still, you know, it's an unfinished product, and I understand why, you know, people don't want you looking at that sort of thing, especially in this hyper-connected internet world where people will judge a game by those screenshots, even though it's clearly not finished. I mean, look at what happened to Pokemon's uh, Sword and shield, of course. Then you have like Spider-Man and Puddlegate. People will jump on uh, unfinished uh, materials just to get those those takes in as early as possible.
0: Yeah, one of the worst things about the current discourse is that there are a whole lot of know nothings on YouTube who somehow manage to get hundreds of thousands of eyeballs and outrage clicks. Yes, absolutely, um, and they are always looking for meat. I mean, you look at, I think there was somebody on wrestling or whatever. It was like familiarity breeds contempt. People get a little bit of knowledge. And because they have a little bit of knowledge, they think they have a lot of knowledge when in fact they don't. And so then they start making inferences about how things work. And when in fact they don't actually know anything about how something works. And it gets really toxic really fast.
1: It does. It definitely does because everything just kind of, Whenever an opinion plonks into Twitter, everyone just kind
0: of volleys it back and forth until it turns into a, a ball of sludge. But and we've fostered a culture where we inherently distrust the media, mm-hmm. and so whenever somebody goes, uh, "Why are we trusting these randos on Twitter?" and people and all inevitably chime in with, "Well, uh, the media hasn't exactly proven itself very trustworthy either." Yeah, the and old MSM. Yeah, I mean, sure. There are a lot of, like, really bad media outlets out there, but maybe pick the ones that are actually, you know, good and try to be knowledgeable, like us. <laughs> trust us in, trust us implicitly. We're always right. I have candy. Uh, it, it's murky territory, but uh, I think the main thing is that I'm excited about a Final Fantasy 7 remake demo. Yeah, um, that is rumored to be coming sooner than later, and
1: I, I am I mean, def- I think it could be out next what? Next week? Oh, easily. Uh, some people were saying this week, but obviously it's going to be next week if it's going to come it soon. Seems
0: like it's going to drop this weekend, maybe. Oh, that would be exciting. Yeah, so, I mean, it could be out as soon as this podcast comes out, and then we'll look hopelessly out of date, because we <laughs> won't have played it. <laughs> Hello from the past. But at the same time, it looks like it's going to be the demo that's been shown at E3. Right, which is, uh, to be fair, I
1: play that at PAX West, and I really enjoyed it, but um, I already kind of played it and wrote about it. So if there is new content, heck, I'll take it, but it might just be the demo that I already played. And even if that's the case, I'm
0: excited for other people to play it. I want to play it. I didn't get a chance to play it because I oh, didn't, didn't go to E3 it. last year. Oh, that's right. You didn't go to, uh, to PAX either. You were in the desert. Nope. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was living in the desert, not playing Final <laughs> Fantasy VII Remake, which is a bummer. Yeah, you should play it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that'll get me away from FIFA long enough. <laughs> For now. Uh, so you wrote about this Mother 4 fan game. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, there is
1: a there was a fan game. It's called Mother 4. It has been recast into a game called Oddity. And here's the thing about Mother 4. It has been in development since 2010. Uh, it looks fantastic. It actually revived very recently as Oddity because obviously the makers of the game don't want Nintendo getting up their butts about it because Nintendo will shut down a fan game. They have shut down several fan games that were actually excellent. So by um, renaming it and taking out all the direct references to Mother, which I guess there weren't that many, they kind of have their own little thing going on that has still a very strong Mother connection through the visuals, which look very much like Mother 3 and um, but I'm, I'm assuming it's not exactly something Nintendo's going to really get into. It's going to be a free fan game. Is out when it's coming out, quote unquote. So it's not coming anytime soon. But um, yeah, it looks really good. The graphics are are just like perfectly emulate the the Mother slash Earthbound style. Uh, and yeah, I guess we still have to wait. I mean, like I said in my article, it's been ten years. I guess a couple more won't really
0: matter. As long as it doesn't get killed outright, like uh, Metroid, another Metroid 2 remake.
1: Yeah, which was actually an excellent remake. I really enjoyed that.
0: I will probably play this now that it's a new thing. I mean, it looks good. Um, I, I like the art style quite a bit. Yeah, they really worked hard to make that look good. Um, there
1: is actually a new trailer. I don't know if you watched it, but you can see how, how much detail was put into
0: the sprites. It's funny how Earthbound has become such a beloved thing. I th- I blame it on Smash Brothers, actually.
1: Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. Because uh, I remember when Smash was it Melee that had Lucas, or was it Brawl that had Lucas? I think it was. It was
0: the original. It was the original Smash that introduced Ness, and for a lot of That's people, true. that was their first introduction to Ness. It certainly was for me. I had I I was aware of the name Mother mostly because of Mother for the 64 for the disk drive. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was talking about that, and I was like I, I don't know what Earthbound is or mother is. I, I saw like some references to it in Nintendo Power, and then Ness was introduced in Super Smash Brothers, and of course, a lot of people kind of got to liking him, and then he had an even bigger presence in melee where he got his own level and everything. and so that encouraged a lot of people that that put it like front, you know, mm-hmm. front and center, right? It's the same with fire. It's the same fire emblem phenomenon where uh Marth and Roy introduced so many people to Fire Emblem, and it's no coincidence that most of the most popular characters in Fire Emblem are Smash characters.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's funny and really interesting how Smash is is such an ambassador series. It's not just a fighting series. It's it's taught us so much about these, these games that we didn't play, because of course, even I had no idea what Fire Emblem was when Melee came out. I knew who Ness was, but I didn't know who Lucas was. So stuff like that really helped introduce me and expand my knowledge about stuff like fire emblem and
0: and mother yeah ike is by far one of the most popular characters of smash brothers and heck <laughs> played the, who the heck played the the gamecube or Wii fire emblem games not many americans <laughs> no definitely not although I, I just love ike because i think his victory
1: quote is i fight for my friends so a friend and i are always making fun of that saying i fight for my friends just incessantly until our husbands go crazy <laughs>
0: uh, so yeah um it's nice to know that a very, uh, a quality RPG like Earthbound, which is one of our top 25 RPGs of all time, continues to have a really strong legacy. And as Stardew Valley has shown, uh, retro updates, I suppose, of popular games that get a new coat of paint can be really good. So let's keep an eye on Oddity. Yes. Uh, speaking of games to keep an eye on, uh, we were talking about Dragon Quest Eleven earlier. Dragon Quest Twelve's in development. Woo, yep. Yeah, um
1: it's good news even though it's not surprising news dragon quest 11 actually did very well especially in japan of course i think it uh sold very decently in um in the west it at least matched up to dragon quest 9 which to date is the most successful dragon quest in the west i think it has passed a million sold so usually that's the safety point with a game (laughs) it's like okay you sold a million you can survive you can
0: live i wonder if the switch will be its lead platform I'm almost certain it
1: will, and at the very least, it'll probably be on both PlayStation Four, maybe the Five, and um, Switch. Although I think maybe this time it will develop with the Switch in mind first and foremost, because that was the reason for the delay with Dragon Quest XI S.
0: I think that uh, I, I think a lot about like how Dragon Quest XI is stubbornly retro. And very traditional in the way that it depicts RPGs. And that's like a really nice thing to have. And part of me is kind of, kind of wants Final Fantasy to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I also think about how, like, Dragon Quest is this epic novel series that is very pitched toward certain sensibilities in the West and, of course, nostalgia in Japan. And so that's always going to limit. It's relative ceiling, whereas Final Fantasy has a much easier time finding kind of mainstream audiences because it feels like much more of a modern game. And it has an easier time selling itself as a blockbuster.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And and that's fine. Dragon Quest definitely occupies a a niche that you're not going to – it's not going to appeal to everybody. Whereas I think Final Fantasy, since it's always trying something new and always going for the spectacle – it's always going to draw eyeballs to it, and the Final Fantasy name carries a lot of powerful nostalgia for a lot of people, thanks to the success of like seven and nine and, and what have you. Whereas uh, Dragon Quest knows what it wants to be, and that's what it is.
0: I think Final Fantasy fourteen showed how you can be a balance the books between being a big spectacle, a big time spectacle, but also appealing to traditional fans of the series.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I'm still playing the hell out of Final Fantasy XIV, and I'm just really enjoying it and really taken by how well the story is written and how, um, like, I'd love to be on the localization team. It looks like they're having so much damn fun, especially (laughs) when I catch the these really obscure Simpsons references. Like, I go up to one character, and he says to me, you look like you have something to say, do you? (laughs) Which is straight out of Poochie.
0: Hello,
1: Poochie. You look like you have something to say, do you? Yes, I certainly do. And that's when you have the "I have to go, my planet needs me." And <laughs> you do a pretty good scratchy. Thank you. I think that was itchy. I can't remember the mouse was itchy. Oh yeah, I think, I think it is itchy. Which one's the which one's the mouse? Itchy. Itchy's a jerk. <laughs> that's <awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's like, um, and there's like, uh, I had I got an achievement called "Can't Someone Else Do It," which is it just perfect. But yeah, that's the kind of the, the story has a lot of fun. Um, I wrote a, a piece on the um, on the site before we went for vacation. Please read it because it it, I had a great time writing it. Uh, basically saying how the game is unapologetically horny. It really, really is. Like, I'm so used to Final Fantasy games being kind of coy and sanitized about sex. This game is not. It's just fantastic. It's it's so much fun.
0: Yeah. Nadia loves to post screen caps from Final Fantasy XIV of the most ridiculous things that she finds. go <coughs> <She'll> follow her <laughs> yes, on Twitter. Please follow me on Twitter. Or my shit posting about Final Fantasy XIV. All right, and last news item we already mentioned The Witcher on Netflix, but Witcher Three enjoyed its one of its biggest days on Steam in like five years. Thanks to the yeah. Witcher Netflix, and in fact, one of my friends who is not in the games industry at all uh, said, "I was sick, I watched The Witcher on Netflix, and now I own all three games." Interesting wow. how that works. Yeah, Talk I about was like all commercial. three games.
1: Uh- <laughs> you can probably <laughs> Maybe just skip don't start to three. with the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely start with 3, which I still need to do. But the I'm Witcher reviewing.
0: and Witcher 2 has been getting a lot of uh has been getting tons of activity on mod DB recently mm. because everybody's downloading modern mods to make them much more palatable to modern audiences.
1: Yeah, um I know 3 of course is still a great game, but I don't know how 2 holds up. Oh, 2 still holds up. Okay.
0: Yeah, it, it's still good. It's kind of in the shadow of Witcher 3 because it's uh, well. I mean, it never came out on modern consoles, uh, but I mean, you can play it through F- Xbox One backwards compatibility, right. and it's been kind of updated and slightly remastered and everything. I think it's available in four K actually. So oh, but and you have a you have an Xbox One, right? Yeah, I do have an Xbox One. Uh, mostly, my
1: husband plays it, but it's there. Yeah, so you can just buy it there. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm still gonna start with Witcher Three though.
0: Yeah, I think that's the best one to play. I think it's the most accessible to modern audiences. And you got it on Switch, right? Oh, yeah, I have it on Switch. It's, it's there waiting for me, but uh, I, I'm i reviewing uh, a game, so I have to get that done first. She's reviewing Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE, which we'll be able to do full impressions of on Monday.
1: Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Are you enjoying it so far? I am, actually. Um, it is uh, a little bit different from your typical Persona slash SMT game, but... Um, it it's definitely has a, a really fantastic battle system. Uh, even though I'm not really into idols and stuff like that, I still find it a very fun, joyous little game so far. I'm sure, like, everything's going to get dark pretty fast, but yeah, I'm enjoying it.
0: And it has good music. It has
1: fantastic music. Um, the only thing that really irritates me, and that's this is a criticism for all games that do this, is there's a lot of banter in the battles, which is fine, except there's no translation and there's no subtitles. And I just hate that. I mean, do you need it? Not really, but I'd rather have it there. But I guess it's a good opportunity for me to practice my Japanese. I mean, I know what Sugoi
0: means. I guess that ma- that's all that matters. Because that's mostly <laughs> what
1: they say. Sugoi!
0: Uh, I will look forward to playing Tokyo Mura's Sessions uh, when I finish Dragon Quest Eleven, which is a game I am determined to finish.
1: Yeah, so you really got to buckle down on that because you got a ways to go. <laughs> you just got to Dundrasil.
0: Yeah, well, I'm past Dundrasil now, but... Oh, good. I... Think that I have like two months before Final Fantasy 7 Remake comes out. So in Cyberpunk, ah, so yeah. I need to like knuckle down and finish it by then, which means less FIFA. <laughs> so you say fewer weekend leagues, more Dragon Quest. <laughs> Why not combine the two? And on that note, let's jumping into our 2020 RPG preview extravaganza. Don't go away. Well, Nadia, I think that we are heading into a huge year for RPGs. Uh, I would even go so far as to say that it's going to be a watershed year. Uh, If you go check the site as of the launch of this podcast, there's probably going to be a starting screen up with the headline along the lines of 2020 will be a watershed year for games. I truly believe that this will be the beginning of a giant sea change for games as we understand them. Yeah, definitely. Um, Or maybe not the way that we play, maybe not the games themselves, but the way they're delivered for sure.
1: Yeah, like I can definitely see a lot more streaming, a lot more Game Pass related stuff, like people doing their own versions of that. Um, I don't think Stadia is coming back from its bomb, like it just bombed out really hard. But I can see other companies picking up the ball and running with it the way Microsoft has done. And Microsoft's done a really good job of it, I have to commend them for that.
0: My favorite rumor is that there will be an xCloud app on the Nintendo Switch. And if that's the case, oh boy. Oh my gosh. Because yeah. I'll be able to play like Mass Effect uh, in Witcher 2 on my Switch. Like while oh. hanging around my house. That's awesome. RIP free time. Yeah. And like I don't really care about uh, potential hitches and streaming if I'm playing an RPG. You know, it doesn't really need input delay. So uh, I think... I mean, if they can nail the technology, then wow, like it could be awesome. Yeah, I would, I would definitely be down for that.
1: Although last time, remember when like E3, there was that rumor going around that Miyamoto was present for the Xbox presentation and it turned out to be Keanu Reeves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, right. The big rumor was that Miyamoto was going to be there.
1: Yeah, I think Je, Je video started that one, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is gonna, this means a huge announcement for you know, Nintendo and Microsoft are finally gonna pair up." And you know, N- Microsoft and Nintendo have worked together on, on certain ports and whatnot, and they've done a really fun job of it. But nothing in the reign of, yeah, X Cloud is coming to Switch. Although, I, given the way the market is these days, that is certainly not out of the realm
0: I of mean, possibility. MLB the Show is a Sony a game made by Sony Studios is being is going to be on Xbox. There you go. Exactly.
1: Like, the days of the 16-bit console wars are way behind us.
0: Yeah, like, the exclusives just aren't going to be a thing as much anymore. Like, you'll still see hardware being sold. The PlayStation 5 will still be a thing. But you're just going to see more and more games that are going to be available through streaming platforms and ecosystems. And honestly, I think Microsoft is going to corner the market on that one. They've done the best job of, of anybody of building up the ecosystem through Game Pass and... Uh, and and xCloud, you know, I, I think Sony has a lot of co- catching up to do on that front.
1: Yeah, definitely. The only thing that makes me a little bit worried about Xbox's possible uh, success in the future is they're just never going to get a foothold in Japan. And for RPG fans, that's a little bit of a bummer.
0: I don't know if it matters anymore, though, because... Not as much as it did, no. They're becoming less of a console holder and much more of a content delivery system, you know? Mm-hmm. They'll have their own exclusive games, but it will be a case of like i own a playstation and i for example might have an xcloud app or an uh, xbox online app you know yeah yeah it's, i mean it could it, the 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 lines could be that blurred in the next in the next couple of years it might i mean we could be playing playstation games on pc we could be playing halo infinite on the switch
1: yeah um i definitely foresee a future where exclusives come to everything you might have to wait a bit. Obviously, like Sony's not going to release like The Last of Us Two on the Switch on the same day as Sony PlayStation Four, but there is. I mean, look, we already have Ori and the Blind Forest on on Switch. We have we have Cuphead, and those did extremely well. And even though they were released a bit later down the line, so yeah, there is a definite potential for some really fertile cross platform play going on. Although it makes me wonder if Nintendo will. Uh, that their stuff on those consoles and i just don't see that happening
0: i don't think so because they're a very old-fashioned company and very conservative and very protective of their brands uh i do think that microsoft has decided that they the way of the future is subscriptions and Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter how many consoles they sell or how many even individual copies of games they sell? What matters is how many people are subscribed to Game Pass and yeah. how many people are subscribed to their individual services. Because at their heart, Microsoft is a service provider. Like their main way of making money is through enterprise like licenses still. So that's how it, that's always been their mindset, and now the games are finally reflecting that.
1: Yeah, you're right. This is really their territory, and um, I, I could see them just. Being okay with leaving hardware behind and being a service provider.
0: Yeah, but but the Xbox Series X is still going to be a thing, right? I mean, it's yeah, still yeah. going for hardcore gamers. It's going to be there, and I think that's why they released the revealed the Series X first rather than the other one that's been kind of rumored that will that will be like discless and maybe less powerful. Is that they're explicitly going okay? If you're a hardcore gamer, if you are going to want the premium option, here you go, right? If yeah. you're everybody else, maybe you just get the xCloud app on the service of your choice, and you can stream games onto your iPad or whatever.
1: Yeah, um, it's definitely a very interesting future, and on, in one way, I'm looking forward to it. On the other hand, I'm really kind of tired of paying for subscriptions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, get ready, Nadia, because you're going to pay... Here comes well, more. The thing is, is that you're already paying... I'm already paying for a PlayStation Plus and Xbox. So, I mean, if if it's on top of this then that's going to be a little bit of a problem like if i'm paying as much for cable as i am like xbox live and game pass and whatever else and it's like 90 to 100 dollars a month or 90 to 100 dollars a year ugh.
1: yeah yeah exactly so
0: i guess we just have to see what happens i guess that's not as much as cable because cable's is like 100 bucks a month cable sucks <laughs> so what does this mean for rpgs do you think Well,
1: as you say, I think it would be really extremely beneficial for RPGs because um, that is probably the one genre that, as you say, is not affected by input lag. You know, who cares if it's a a little bit, tiny bit behind. That matters in an FPS. It does not matter at all in an RPG.
0: No, it depends on the the RPG that you're playing. That's true. A more action-based. Yeah, But even action RPGs aren't nearly as intensive as so many other games.
1: Yeah, you're right. And um, given how popular RPGs are on the Switch, because of that you know, portable, cozy element that, you know, makes them accessible whenever you want. I could see the platform being really beneficial for RPGs in the future.
0: Yeah, I I think so. But I don't think we're going to see that right away because um, traditionally RPGs have not really led the way at launch for major platforms. They usually come out a couple years later.
1: Yeah, which is fine. I can wait, but uh, I have plenty to play in the meantime.
0: I mean, the Switch didn't get its, like, really first major RPG until... The following year with Octopath Traveler, is that fair to say? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think Octopath Traveler was the first... Oh, wait. Like, Xenoblade Chronicles. Oh, I'm sorry. How did I forget that? That was a great... I love that game. But that so, wasn't yeah.
0: at launch. It was that fall.
1: Yes. So it was still a bit of a wait because the Switch came out in March.
0: Yeah, it came out in March and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 came out in December. Right. Yeah, I remember playing
1: it distinctly and in And that's time. mainly
0: because Nintendo has Monolith Soft, like, basically in-house.
1: They do, pretty much. Like, they
0: are right now working on, in addition to the Xenoblade Chronicles
1: remake, uh, they're working on Zelda Breath of the Wild 2.
0: Now, if Playground Games is actually making a Fable game, we could see it get announced at E3.
1: Yes, I'm expecting I'm expecting quite a bit from this E3, to be honest with you. And one of them is seeing more from Xbox and the, the studios that they've uh, taken.
0: Sony has plenty of... Sony has plenty of exclusive RPGs, but they aren't in-house, right? And interestingly, like, SMT5, which we don't even really know where that is. It's, it's a, that's a Switch exclusive right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not heard anything about Persona 6, and honestly Persona games take forever to make.
1: Yeah, they do. Like, if we do get an announcement for Persona 6 and E3 you're just saying, uh,
0: it's we're not going to see the game for a couple of years, at least. I mean, God, I uh, see the distance, the gap between Persona 4 and Persona 5 was like Persona Four came out in two thousand eight, and there were rumors and rumblings about Persona Five for several years, and then Persona Five <laughs> didn't come out for another decade.
1: Pretty much, I mean, you had Golden in the meantime. The same way we were getting Royal like this year, but uh, I'm gonna I, I expect to wait a while.
0: Yeah, and then the the big the big companies like Bethesda, like we don't know what's going on with Starfield. I mean. We, Bethesda's kind of M.O. is that they'll just all of a sudden in May drop a teaser and be like, oh, we're going to announce something. And then boom. Right. Like they don't usually they don't usually show something until they're ready to show it.
1: Yeah. I mean, what was the gap between Fallout's announcement and release date? It was a matter of months.
0: Well, Fallout 4 was an interesting case because they revealed it and then they released it. Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, like, a couple months later. And then it was the same with Fallout 76, basically. Um, (laughs) Starfield and Elder Scrolls were a little bit different because I think that the same E3 that they announced, Fallout 76, they also showed those to be like, yeah, and we're also working on these. Um, I think part of that also was because they wanted to
1: soften the blow with the mobile games they were promoting at the time. Elder Scrolls 6 is years away, though. It, it is. It is not coming for, we're not going if to, if we hear anything about it this year, I'll be
0: surprised. So we got Fallout 4 in 2015, and that was yeah. two years after the release of the PS4. So I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't get Starfield until like 2022.
1: Yeah, easy. Um, I mean, I don't know how determined Bethesda is to clean up Fallout 76, but apparently they're working on it.
0: And meanwhile, Square is working on its own projects, uh, some of which have been revealed, some of which have only been kind of teased. And they're not going to really be at launch either. Like, there might be Babylon's Fall might be there, but it's more of a platinum action game than an RPG. Yeah.
1: um, I guess it also matters, like, what the state of Final Fantasy Remake will be
0: at that point, because we're still waiting for Chapter 2. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, They're not going to release Chapter 2 at launch of PS5, though. No, that'd be a great sell, though. I mean, it would be really nice if FF Seven Remake got a PS Five release at launch.
1: Yeah, like both like if there's if both chapters are to, are out at that time, like put them together,
0: mm-hmm. that would be a really good seller. Wouldn't would you be so okay? They have a exclusivity window. Would you be? I wouldn't be surprised if Part Two comes out at the end of that exclusivity window, right at the same time that it also comes out on Xbox and PC and PS Five and every console under the sun. Yeah, I could see that happening. Sheer speculation on my part, by the way. No,
1: absolutely. But it's not exactly out of the question.
0: So I, I think that for the time being, especially from the JRPG perspective, most of the major RPGs are going to be on this generation. So next gen yes. isn't going to matter for well at least another year or so. But let's talk about the games that are actually coming out. <laughs> the games that are actually confirmed, yes. For my money, the biggest RPG of twenty twenty is going to be Cyberpunk, for better or worse. If it is a success, if it is good, it is going to be game of the year like territory. Like it's going to be in that discussion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was thinking how Cyberpunk, almost unquestionably going to be the biggest RPG of the year, particularly if it takes off. If it's not as if it doesn't live up to the to the Witcher three standards, which is going to be very difficult. It might turn around and bite CD Projekt Red. I don't think we've had an
0: RPG this big since Fallout Four. Even bigger than well, I guess Witcher Three was more of a surprise, wasn't it? Oh, Witcher Three was the same year. My, my point is is that the 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 one-two blow of Final Fantasy VII remake and Cyberpunk is like on that level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a. This is a very very big spring for RPGs, and not just like indie RPGs or, or what have you. These are like two AAA RPGs that have been in produ- in uh, production for, for years.
0: Because BioWare has kind of dropped the ball, right? I mean, Mass Effect and Drama yeah. was supposed to be the big ticket item, one of the big ticket items of 2017. And Anthem was supposed to be a big ticket item, et cetera, et cetera. And that hasn't really worked out. And of course, Fallout 76 didn't really work out. Outer Worlds was kind of a smaller affair, by mm-hmm. and large. So, yeah. So, Cyberpunk... I mean, I guess we'll see, right? I, it kind of reminds me of Deus Ex a little bit in the way that it's first person. And, yeah. and a lot of people are already kind of reacting badly to that. And there are plenty of people who are going, is this really punk? Uh, does it like do justice to the source material? Can CD Projekt deal with a setting that isn't fantasy? Can they deal with a setting that, while it has source material isn't a straight adaptation like the witcher
1: yeah yeah that's what i'm curious about because to be completely honest with you i'm still not 100 sure about about cyberpunk like i'm definitely eyeing it and, and if i hear good buzz like I, absolutely i will pick it up and play it but yeah see I, I know you probably would but i'm not really huge huge into cyberpunk unless it's really unless it really hits me in a certain way but I, i'm just much more excited for uh for final fantasy 7 remake
0: I think it looks gorgeous, and I trust CD Projekt to do really outstanding side quests, um, really in-depth quest chains, and to generally nail the vibe and the look of it. Um, it might not resonate as much as The Witcher, just because near future doesn't seem to hit as hard as fantasy. Um, Whenever you head into sci-fi, like people start to drop off because they're like, that's nerd stuff. <laughs> Ew, Star Trek But then again, so, Fallout is also very popular, so I don't know
1: Yeah, I guess you never really know what people are going to get into But Fallout also has that kind of disaster apocalypse uh, angle Which is kind of compelling And has always been a staple of, of both fantasy and sci-fi I
0: think just having Keanu on the cover <laughs> Yeah, just <laughs> makes, Keanu on the cover Makes Cyberpunk one of the biggest games of the year Possibly the biggest game of the year One of my uncles got to meet Keanu
1: recently And I'm so jealous Was he nice? He apparently, he's his real sweetheart. Basically, my uncle, through weird circumstances, is an extra in the new Bill and Ted movie. Oh. And. I can't (laughs) wait to see that movie. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I love Bill and Ted. So he got to meet Keanu and he says, yeah, Keanu's just a really, really nice down to earth guy. I heard that he bought motorcycles for his entire stunt crew in the Matrix. Probably. Like, he's just one of those guys who takes his money, doesn't spend it on himself. He just,
0: hey guys, here's something for you because I want to make you happy. He rides a subway.
1: Probably. Does he ride the subway? I, I you know There are pictures
0: they're... of him on Reddit sometimes, people being like, um, I'm on the subway, and Keanu's like right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen that.
1: I know he's from Toronto, so he's probably on the TTC and, and, and whatnot. I know he used to deliver the Toronto
0: Star. Uh, as for the other big game of the year, Final Fantasy VII Remake, I think that the hype around that game is going to be tremendous, and I really hope that it lives up to it and it doesn't end up being... Yeah, either front-loaded or, like, too short or, like, the back end is kind of disappointing or the battle system doesn't really work out or something, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, from what I played, I'm very confident in it. I am curious, still very curious about where the game ends because I've heard different stuff. Of course, we all speculate that it's going to end at Midgar once that chapter is done, but I'm also hearing a rumor that it might end At Eris' death, spoilers. So Yeah, there are rumors of it being a two parter. A two parter, yes, which is actually a a very significant chunk of the game. That's all of Disc One is by far
0: with Disc One, of course, and with Eris' death. It should be one full game. I I hate that it's split into one into multiple parts. I hope that when it when the final episode is released, that they released a definitive edition that is like the entire collection.
1: I almost guarantee they will. Kind of like what they did with Final Fantasy fifteen, since they added so much to the game after its launch or just said, here, here's everything. Uh, this is the game we wanted to release.
0: I mean, just, uh, okay, so I'm going to draw a comparison. I mean, there was Xenosaga, an mm-hmm. episodic series that kept changing from entry to entry, and it didn't feel like there was a lot of great continuity, and then people lost interest by, like, the third. Well, yeah. Heck, they lost interest by part two now it's Final Fantasy VII, so people aren't apt to lose interest as fast, but... Yeah, um, I think
1: with in most cases, uh, when you're looking at a multi-parter, you're looking at diminishing returns, no matter what.
0: So what other RPGs are you excited for, Nadia? Uh, uh,
1: there's a lot of RPGs that don't have, uh, just like they have a vague 2020 attached to them, so I know they're going to come up and bite me in the butt when I'm at my busiest. Uh, we will be getting the Default 2, I'm excited for that. Uh, eastbound is supposed to be coming this year, which is Eastward. that really... Eastward. I'm sorry. Not Eastbound uh, <laughs> and down. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of, okay. Uh, but, of course, that's a, a gorgeous, gorgeous sprite-based game published by Chucklefish, and it's supposed to be coming. I hope the gameplay from...
0: lives up to the actual graphics.
1: That's what I'm worried about. Um, I think it will. It, it's it, it's just... It might even end up being one of those like really nice-looking RPGs that are, you know, even if they're not the, the most solid... Game in history. They're just they're still fun to play, kind of like Indivisible was last year. But um, there's that. Uh, I'm looking forward to. Um, well, I had a whole list of, of games that I'm looking forward to for, for RPG. That I actually wrote about how I'm being crushed under all these these games coming out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Bravely Default uh, Two is what I'm probably most looking forward to. There's also Trials of Mana, which is a 3D remake. Um, I'm also wondering if this is a year when of, we might not get these games. We might at least hear about them, which is Shin Megami, Shin Megami Tensei Five. Doubt it. Uh, which we heard something about, uh, the development team saying, yeah, it's still, we're still working on it. Let's just please be patient. But, you know, who knows? Uh, oh, I am thinking this is also the year we'll get Ease Nine, which, um, mm. has been released in Japan. It's just being localized. Well, then again, we didn't get, we didn't get any confirmation that it's coming to the West yet. But I, I have zero doubt that it's coming and is probably going to come this year. And um, I loved
0: Ease 8, so I, I'm very much looking forward to 9. I hope Ease 8 has a better localization. <laughs> or Ease 9 does.
1: Yeah, they changed the localization team. I, if, if Trails is anything to go by, I think the localization will be fine because I, I think the localization for the Trails games is really good. And 3 was fine as well.
0: Are you going to. I forget if you've been assigned to it, but are you interested in Persona 5 Royal?
1: Yes, I actually did write my. Okay, just uh, for the listeners out there, we, we, we write down the, na- the games that we're interested in reviewing. I put my name down for uh, Persona 5 Royal, <laughs> and I saw you took Final Fantasy Seven remakes. And I'm like, oh yeah? Well, I'm taking
0: Persona. <laughs> A game I'm never going to finish.
1: And there you go. So um, maybe it's better that it goes to me because I can compare what's there to what I played back in the day.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, that makes sense, right? People are going to care the most about the the updates and the changes and that kind of thing. Um, I wish that it were coming out on a different platform.
1: I really, really, really want it on Switch. Me too, but I don't think it's ever going to do it. Yeah, we were talking about timed exclusives earlier, maybe somewhere in the future, but um, I, I just don't... The time to announce Persona on Switch was last year, And we're getting a Musou game, and that's what we're getting for the near future
0: kids. I think a sneaky big game that we should be paying attention to will be Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is set to come out in 2020, and it's going to be an RPG.
1: Yeah, it is. And actually, I'm I'm kind of looking – I have – Yakuza is definitely my most regretful. I have not played the series yet series. And Like a Dragon looks like a lot of fun, and it's actually the hero – Bases himself on a Dragon Quest hero. He wants to be a, a hero straight out of Dragon Quest. He wants to be, you know, the guy who saves everyone. Of course, the problem with that is he's Yakuza, and <laughs> so he's he's got these innocent ideals. Uh, but he's a he's a gangster, and he has people trying to kill him, and uh, yeah, people trying to stab him all the time. But he still wants to be that that you know pure Dragon Quest hero. I think that's
0: really cute. I think that it has a chance to be a better turn based RPG than an action game. <laughs> I don't think it's ever been that great an action game.
1: Yeah, um, the action... People who I know who love Yakuza, my husband included, are really in it for the story and the characters, which are always excellent. Like, Yakuza rarely fails to deliver on that front. So I am curious to see what the shake-up to the battle system will do.
0: It reminds me a little bit of the Yakuza zombie game from several years ago, which I actually reviewed and enjoyed. The one with Majima? Yeah. Even though it was really not meant to be a shooter <laughs> <laughs> gotta shoot zombies you can't do anything else with them yeah i guess uh like that engine really gro- groaned under the strain of being a third person shooter but yeah. I, I think it's gonna work better as an rpg um it, if you don't mind me being slightly negative on yakuza one of the reasons that i don't really play those games is that it's a lot of watching static cutscenes. Which, yeah, yeah. it's so hands-off uh, a lot of the time that I'm just kind of like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to play something else now.
1: <laughs> mashing A, mashing A. Uh, I think the localization helps a lot because it's a really excellent localization. And you have some really weird side quests. Like, I can't remember which game it was, but there's one where there's this mob boss who's really into having having basically adult women put diapers on him and treat him like a baby and Ugh. he's getting his whole mob into this and they're all they all hate it but they can't tell him because he's the boss. So yeah, Yaku- so uh Kiryu busts this whole thing up and he like lectures the mob boss like hey, if you have your kinks that's fine but you can't force other people to like what you like and you are like I'm sorry, you're right. And <laughs> it is just the whole game is stuff like that and I think that's really great. Are you excited for Trials of Mana? I am. I am definitely looking forward to that. Uh, It's funny, I was writing. I wrote in my piece the other day about how uh, it's coming out a few days after Cyberpunk. So if you're just not into the whole loud spectacle of Cyberpunk, here is a smaller, much smaller game for you to enjoy. I played the demo, I think it was at PAX West, and yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, One thing I will say about Seeking Tetsu 3 slash Trials of Mana 2D is that the battle system is chaotic as hell. Uh, There's a lot of bugs, of course, a lot of these... Uh, stats are a little bit screwy, kind of like in the original Secret of Mana, and I think that the 3D remake makes some order out of the chaos, at least from what I played. It's it's much easier to engage enemies, whereas in the 2D game, you hold down the attack button and you pray to God, and when you hear the alarm that send, that tells you that your your character is about to die, you just heal them, and again you pray. So it's not the greatest battle system on Earth, even though it's, it's still a great game, and I like it a lot.
0: I'm just not that interested in Trials of Mana for some reason.
1: That's understandable. I'm really, I'm more of the Mana fan here.
0: If I were going to play a Trials of Mana game, I'd just play the original on SNES.
1: Yeah, which is still a great game. I actually um, was playing a little bit over the holiday. I was playing a little bit of the original, because that's one of my comfort games. I just go to it when I, when I need a little hug.
0: What's funny is I'm going to be on a Retronauts later this month about it.
1: Oh, I think I'm on the same Retronauts.
0: Oh, are we? I'll let <laughs> we you do are. most of the talking they <laughs> just like you want to okay. be on it And i'm like sure i guess
1: <laughs> of course you're probably going to be there live and in person right oh yeah 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 because i'll be i'll be
0: calling in obviously yeah the blood cod and duo on retronauts for the first time together Ha-cha-cha, yeah that should be fun <laughs> uh i think that a game that's definitely worth uh keeping an eye on and i'm not used to really saying this about a tales game is tales of arise
1: yeah, um, I, I I keep meaning to get into Tales. And actually, you should get Eric on here to talk about Tales someday, because he, he will go on about Tales until the end oh, of the world. Oh, I'm sure
0: we will. We can do, like, a Tales retrospective or something.
1: We really should. And there is a game that's on Switch that I really mean to play. Which one is it? It just came out recently. Um, it's a remake of one of the better ones. And there's so many Tales games, I can't keep them all straight. I'm sorry. But it is definitely a, game, a series like Yakuza. I want to get into it. It's on my list. I'll, I'll do it someday, I
0: swear. Do you think Elden Ring's coming out this year? I don't think it is.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Um, Watch doesn't like a surprised, but no, I don't think so. I do think we're going to see more of it this year. Definitely, um, yes. But I think that that's the kind of game that comes out early next year. Yeah, I think
1: so. Um, I am curious about it, so uh, I, I am curious to see what we're going to have, but uh, I don't think we're getting it this year, no.
0: I also don't think we're going to get another Pokemon this year.
1: No, but I can definitely see uh, DLC.
0: Yeah, I do think that Pokemon Sword and Shield is going to get a lot of post-launch support, which is good. I still yeah, have to finish good. Pokemon Sword because <laughs> I've yeah. been playing Dragon Quest 11 and FIFA. So, eh,
1: that happens. But um, you know what? Like I find that even Sword and Shield, Pokemon games in general, the the single player, it, it, you can get through it very expediently compared oh, yeah. to
0: Dragon Quest. I'm like relatively far I'm relatively far in Pokemon whereas in Dragon Quest it's just like still going.
1: Oh, yeah, it'll go. It'll go all right. <laughs> um, but Yeah, Pokemon Sword and Shield already has a very strong endgame. There's a strong community around it because um, they're already doing stuff like exclusive raids. There was one about a shiny Magikarp. And on one hand, you have people saying, why do you care about a shiny Magikarp? On the other hand, you have people saying, shiny is shiny.
0: Yeah, there you go. Shiny Gyarados. All right. Nadia, what do you think will be the most important RPG of 2020? One of the games that we already talked about, or will it be a game that has not been announced yet?
1: That's the problem, because you never know what's coming. And I could easily sit here and say, oh, it'll be it'll be Cyberpunk, or oh, it'll be Final Fantasy VII Remake. But then what came out of nowhere Yes, uh, last year? Disco Elysium, which is the number one RPG on many, many people's lists, including... Did we rate it number one? We I'm did. Sure we named it our
0: Game of the Year last year.
1: There you go. And who saw that coming? I didn't.
0: Uh, I so. did not see it being Game of the Year, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, so there you go. So I can't predict, unfortunately. I didn't. My crystal ball broke. I used it as
0: a soccer ball. I think it'll be cyberpunk. I think I th- that th- it yeah, is that's a safe answer. Fallout level, Witcher three level. Uh, like it doesn't get bigger than cyberpunk. Maybe outside of like GTA six.
1: Yeah, um, I am curious to see how they market it because that's going to be also a big factor. But if they put Keanu Reeves front and center for their ads or whatnot. They're going to sell a billion
0: copies. Also, I mean, The Witcher Netflix game series dropped at the perfect time to remind everybody mm-hmm. that Witcher Three is a thing that people love and is an amazing RPG. Um, uh, we are releasing our top 100 games of the decade a little bit later this month, and uh, would you be surprised to know that Witcher Three is very high up on it? <laughs> uh, I am. I am. St- shocked shocked well not that shocked <laughs> dot, gif so there will be plenty of people who are playing witcher 3 for the first time really enjoying it and be like oh wait a minute the same company is making uh cyberpunk Rpg. wow cool Like, right. yeah there you go that's that's how
1: i got into final fantasy when i played uh secret of mana and like who made this squaresoft
0: oh okay i'm gonna see what else they made lo and behold final fantasy 6 came out at the same time i just hope it's good because i can't take the controversy if it's bad Oh, God, the discourse these days, it's so draining. <laughs> I know. And I'm contributing to it, too. Like, if you saw my Star Wars rants. Oh, I saw your Star Wars
1: rants. And I said on Twitter, I do not have the energy for discourse anymore. <laughs> hey, everyone, let's talk about dinosaurs. I like Spinosaurus. Here's the different reconstructions <laughs> of Spinosaurus. And I had a conversation going about Spinosaurus. It was nice.
0: Well, this is the year of the U.S. Uh, political election, too. So it's going. Oh, social media is going to be even more fun. Jesus
1: Christ, just... Kill me now. So we'll be
0: in the right in the middle of primaries, <laughs> right at the same time as Cyberpunk is coming out. Uh, I'm just gonna leap off a cliff right now. <laughs> Get a new co-host. What do you think is going to be a sneaky underrated RPG that we're not really seeing right now, but ends up being much more popular than anybody expected?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't. I'm hoping it's going to be Bravely Default too, because I know the original Bravely Default actually made a huge impression when it came out. But that was a very different time for RPGs. That was a time when there were no RPGs. And it was actually the game that convinced Square Enix, hey, wait a minute, people like this turn-based stuff still. So I'm hoping... I I, I always liked the Bravely Default team stuff. Like, I really liked Octopath Traveler, obviously. Um, so I'm hoping that Bravely Default 2 makes that same impression. And I, I will tell you that with the soundtrack by Rezo, that'll help a lot because, man, that guy's an insane composer.
0: It looks like they're trying to get some of that Octopath Traveler heat with it oh definitely yeah they definitely are yeah and that's okay that's
1: a good that's a good move because octopath traveler there you go that came out at a great time as well and it sold quite well
0: yeah i like the i I like the the visuals already like they were strongly kind of putting octopath traveler in your mind and octopath traveler was one of the most successful games of 2018 it helped that it came out on the switch when people were extremely hungry for any switch content
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm actually wondering if they're going to pull the same thing with Bravely Default 2, where they release it in the summer, where it's generally a dead period, because that could be very beneficial for them.
0: They should, especially before the new consoles hit, because if it comes out when the new consoles have already hit, then that's going to be tough.
1: Yeah, I'm afraid that if it comes out during the spring or at the end of the year, it might get buried.
0: Yeah, but but regardless, there are going to be people who buy it and talk it up, and it's going to have plenty of – it's going to have its share of fans.
1: Yeah, there are definitely a lot of Brave the Default fans out there, myself included. And Octopath fans who are new to, the, to Brave the Default might give it a try, too.
0: I think that this year... Okay, so I think actually this year's sneaky, popular RPG is going to be Yakuza Like a Dragon. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines too. Uh, oh. also has a solid chance, depending. Uh, so the studio that's developing it, I, I believe they're named Hardsuit... Uh, doesn't have a ton of pedigree. They're best known for doing Blacklight Retribution, I believe, but mm-hmm. they do have you know people who are very passionate about the series and really understand it. And they're being published by Paradox, which has a very good track record uh, with the games that it publishes. So, and, and it seems like they're kind of sticking to the tried and true formula. So, I mean, if they tap into even like half the energy of Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, which is one of our top 25 RPGs, it'll be very, very, very good.
1: Yeah, I think you're onto something there because one thing we mentioned in our twenty our top 25 discussion is that uh, the original Bloodlines, while excellent, kind of had some flaws. And if they smooth those out in the sequel, a lot of they bugs. keep that really... Yeah, a lot of bugs. But if they keep the the really strong writing, then, yeah, that you're right. That could absolutely wind up being a huge hit.
0: Yeah, I really hope that Bloodlines... Uh mostly I just hope it's not a retread because hmm. the beginning is very similar to the original Vampire the Masquerade. And it sort of seems like they moved it up to Seattle, but otherwise kept a lot almost everything the same. Including like right. the story.
1: I guess in Seattle there's there's not a lot of
0: sun, so you'd be okay there. Uh sure. I I guess they just pick Seattle because it's hip, I don't know. <laughs> Too many hills. So, uh, yeah, no, that's our 2020 RPG preview. Lots of very exciting RPGs coming up. Some real blockbusters. I don't think RPGs are going to fit as much into the next-gen narrative, but you never know. And, I mean, uh, the One-Two Punch of Final Fantasy VII Remake and Cyberpunk are as good as we've ever seen, but by the end of the year, we could be looking back and saying... Man, did anybody see that one cool RPG coming? I sure didn't. It seems to happen every year. so It really does. Yeah, it does. And uh, that's the fun part about RPGs. You never know what's coming. So what RPG are you most excited about in 2020? We want to hear from you. Send me a tweet at the underscore catbot, DM me, or send me an email at cat.bailey at usgamer.net and we may read your letter on our mailbag episode. Okay, Nadia, let's continue onward. all right Nadia not a ton of letters because everybody was on holiday and everybody's still on yeah. holiday as of this podcast but here's what some people said about our last episode before we went on break satellite of love says playing cold steel 3 without any of the others must be completely bizarre chapter one and two of the game especially and that's the obvious one it's the longer form simmer stuff when it, summer stuff simmer stuff I don't know would it be <laughs> confusing as much as complete obliviousness but then again, that means people can be getting Trails in the Sky FC on PC and start up to see what they miss. Yeah, Trails, yeah. The Sky, Trails in the Sky on Switch would be nice.
1: It would. And actually, there are two characters from Trails in the Sky that are major characters in Trails of Cold Steel 3. And um, they're very sweet together, even though I haven't played uh, Trails in the Sky. So I could see fans just freaking out about that. But I guess there you go. I still appreciated them, even though I haven't played Trails in the Sky.
0: Sammy J9 says, 2019 was a good year, but 2020 is going to be a great year for RPGs, even with only knowing what we do right now. And Gamer Law says, it's three houses is a terrific game by any measure, but I agree with Cat that it falls short of Fire Emblem 4. For my personal list of Fire Emblem titles, it may also rank below Radiant Dawn. Yes, I know that is a more controversial take. I would also agree (laughs) that the map quality in Fates and Conquest continues to be some of the best the series has seen. That aside, Three Houses has done more to advance the series than any title in recent memory. It united the fan base, presented multiple intriguing narratives, delivered a top tier soundtrack, and modified the combat system in ways that keep it fresh for both newcomers and old fans alike. Yeah, I Three Houses was definitely a game I did not see coming last year if we want to talk about RPGs that we weren't expected go. to be floored by. I was feeling a little bit cynical about that game. Figuring You were
1: feeling very cynical about it. You were thinking it was going to be like Persona... Goes to school or or whatever.
0: Yeah, Persona goes to school, that it was gonna like have a lot of cheesecake and fan service, like it was gonna follow in the lines of you know, Fire Emblem Fate's birthright and all of that, and it surprised me. It felt like a throwback and I really appreciated that. It was it was a great game. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> great game. Okay, Nadia, that is the end. Axe of the Blood God is a US gamer podcast. If you enjoy the show, make sure to leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice follow me on twitter at the underscore capod follow nadia at nadia oxford and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter which you can find on the front page of the site we'll be back we're back officially it's it's Yay. the beginning we're a new beginning new beginning new podcast we're gonna be we're back to doing it every week we're gonna have our console rpg quests we're gonna have individual segments we're going to probably have new series. We're going to have whole new podcasts. It's going to be a very fun year as we hit the fifth year of X is the Blood God. Oh, my God. I can't Ooh, believe we've been around yay. this long. Thank- it's pretty great. Thank you so much for supporting us. And I'm looking forward to a great 2020. But for now, for Nadia and myself, thanks for listening. And until next week, happy adventuring.